Would you take your copy of God's Word and turn in it with me to Hebrews chapter 13? I hope you have your Bibles. Maybe you have an electronic device with the Scriptures on it. Turn that thing on and let's go to Hebrews chapter 13 together this morning. And I'll remind you, if you ever look around and you see someone without a a Bible and you'd like to give them one, there are Bibles on the information desk. Please feel free to do that. As we turn to God's Word together each and every Sunday, how blessed we are to have a copy of God's Word in our hands that we can hold and and look at and be instructed by and encouraged by and corrected by. So we turn to Hebrews chapter 13 for that this morning. In the first six verses of Hebrews 13, we've seen over the last couple of weeks that in light of the fact that Jesus is better than all, we who trust in Him are to be a people who love others. We're to be a people who love others. We're also to be a people who love marriage, who love our spouses. And we're to learn not to love money. Learning instead to be content with what we have. And so we could summarize the first six verses of Hebrews 13 with a statement like this. Learn to love and be content. Learn to love and be content. Now the next section, and we come to it this morning, the next section we come to, which covers verses 7-14, through 14, is, is giving us instruction in a very important matter. It is the matter of false teaching and guarding ourselves against false teaching. You might think if you were to sit down and read chapter 13 that the thoughts are kind of scattered, but if you were to think about chapter 13 this way as the closing of a letter to people who are dearly cared for and concerned about, and and the instructions here are precious and practical and helpful. And so there are a collection of things here that are helpful for us and practical for us. And the writer of Hebrews has become very practical in chapter 13 dealing with how we who believe in Jesus are to live the Christian life of faith. How we're to walk by faith. How we're to run the race of faith. The long distance race of faith. And we certainly need the practicality of being taught how to guard against false teaching. This practical instruction is necessary for the family life of false teaching. It's necessary for the family life of the church. It's also necessary for each and every family represented in this room and necessary for every individual represented in this room today. It's necessary for the community that we live in that we be a church that is not overcome with false teaching, that we hold fast to the truths of God's Word. And so Hebrews 13 turns now to show us how to guard against false teaching. And the writer does so by directing us to three spiritual priorities. There are three spiritual priorities that we're going to begin looking at today, and Lord willing, we'll finish looking at next Sunday. But three spiritual priorities given to us here in the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning and, again, Lord willing, next week. And I want you to note that the key verse here is verse 9. Look at verse 9, which says, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Do not be led away. And the three spiritual priorities here in verses 7-14 through can be summarized in three words. Follow, look, and keep. 
Follow, look, and keep. Follow the example of your godly leaders. Follow the example of your godly leaders seen in verse 7. And this is the one we're going to be looking at today. And Lord willing, we'll consider next Sunday the second and third spiritual priorities that guard against false teaching. Look. Number two, look to Jesus who never changes. That's seen in verses 8 and 9. And then number three, keep yourself for Christ. Verses 10 through 14. Keep yourself for Christ. So, we'll dig in to each of these spiritual priorities as we look at the text today and next Sunday. But let's begin by looking at verses 7 through 14. Let's read the text from our Bibles first and follow along in verses 7 through 14 as I read from the English Standard Version. Beginning in verse 7, Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the Word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through His own blood. Therefore, let us go to Him outside the camp and bear the reproach He endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Guard. The idea in this passage, the idea in these verses is to direct us back to this. Guard your lives. Guard the church. Guard your families from false teaching. So what is this first spiritual priority? It is this. It's in verse 7. And I say it this way. Follow the example of your godly leaders. Follow the example of your godly leaders. Look at verse 7 again. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Charles Spurgeon wrote that God's people are a thoughtful people. If they are what they ought to be, they do a great deal of remembering and considering. That's why... I'm not bashful to come to you every Sunday and tell you things about God's Word that you have probably heard before. Because we ought to do a lot of remembering. We ought to do a lot of considering. And so the writer agrees with that, of course. We should say that Spurgeon agrees with the writer of God's Word. That God has inspired the writer to say this. The writer here is making the point that to be guarded against false teaching, you ought to remember your leaders. And I I emphasize the point, you've got to remember your godly leaders. The idea here is that 
we not only remember them as in as in think about them or remember that they were teachers of God's word but the idea here is that we not just remember them as in think about them and what they taught and how they lived but follow them follow their biblical godly example follow their biblical instruction and their godly example and follow their leadership now the writer has in mind here those to whom he is writing of course and those who led them but again this is god's word this is god's inspired word the bible is god's word to us today so this is instruction for us as well and the writer has in mind here the godly men who had gone on before and had spoken the word of god to them they had taught the truths of the word of god and they were instructed here to consider the outcome of their way of life and then they are instructed to imitate their faith imitate their faith consider pay attention take note remember Consider and imitate. This is practical instruction for us today. Remember the instruction here wasn't intended only for its first recipients. God moved the writer of Hebrews to pen these words for us today as we open our Bibles and we ask, what is God going to say to me today as I read His Word? Here's what He's saying. This is for all those who come centuries like we are here today who would come along through the centuries and open God's Word and say, I want to be a person who pleases the Lord. I hope that's your desire today. I trust that's why you're here. I want to be a person who pleases God, who honors God. I want to be a person that's the person God wants me to be. And today, here we are, still holding the Bible in our hands, I trust, during this time of worship. And if we're honoring the Lord, we go further than simply carrying our Bibles into this time of worship. I want you to bring your Bibles, but we go further than that. I trust we go further than that. We ought to be those who don't just look at the Word, but we ought to be those who do the Word. If we're honoring the Lord, we go further than simply carrying our Bibles to church. We also seek to make the Word of God a central part of our lives. The challenge, of course, is that we are surrounded in the culture that we live in with much that contradicts the Bible and even much that, that passes itself as teaching from God's Word as things that are either half-truths or mistruths, false teaching that are not the truths of God's Word. The challenge is, is all around us. False teaching of all sorts threatens to enter every church. No church escapes this challenge. And so note here that one of the keys to guarding yourselves against false teaching is following the example of your godly leaders. Now implied here, of course, is that the teaching of the lives of uh, teaching of your leaders and the lives of your leaders must be godly. The teaching and the lives of your leaders should be godly and worthy of following. I believe that you have had through the years godly leaders who have led you well. But it's never a bad thing to remind ourselves what a godly leader is. So what is a godly leader? What does the Bible say about what a godly leader is? And some of this is going to be like preaching to myself this morning. 
and I need to hear this. And if you listen in as I preach to myself for a bit, I think you can be helped with this also. So here's what the Bible says about what a godly leader looks like. A godly leader faithfully and patiently preaches the Bible. I'm going to show you two things about what the Bible says about what a godly leader looks like. Here's the first. A godly leader faithfully and patiently preaches the Bible. To guard the church against false teaching, the godly leader faithfully and patiently preaches the Bible. We see this mark of a godly leader here in verse 7. Look at verse 7 again. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. So a godly leader preaches and proclaims and speaks to his hearers the Word of God, preaching the way of salvation always directing His hearers to Christ and to the Bible. God's authoritative Word. The Bible is God's authoritative Word. And so the faithful leader, the faithful preacher, the faithful pastor will be patiently preaching not his own pet topics and pet peeves and pet projects, but will be preaching the Bible. What the Bible says. I will tell you, that's why... I have chosen over the years to to primarily preach through books of the Bible because it keeps me from seeking out the topics that I would like to especially tell you about that you need to pay attention to. And it helps me in that as I study through a book of the Bible to preach a book of the Bible, I find things that I, I probably would not have brought up or things that I would have been in the flesh fearful to bring up. But because I come to them in the text, I have to say, this is God's Word. This is what God is saying to us, so listen. This particular passage is one that I probably wouldn't choose to preach about because I wouldn't want to preach about what and tell you what you should look for in your pastor. But here it is. And we're not done talking about this. We're going to come to this topic of following your leaders again in chapter 13 before we're done. But here we are. And this is why it's so helpful, I think, to preach verse by verse through a book of the Bible together because the preacher doesn't get to choose the topic. God does. So a godly leader preaches and proclaims the Word of God. And this instruction should be heard and heeded. Here's where I'm preaching to you. <laughs> okay? A godly leader preaches the Word of God, preaches the Bible, and that instruction should be heard and heeded, should be listened to and obeyed. Now you understand here, and we're going to see this again, we're going to hear it again in chapter 13, to obey your leaders, but I would suggest that what you're obeying is not the person, but the message. You're obeying God's Word. You don't obey your pastor. You obey God when your pastor proclaims the truth and says, this is what God's Word says. Obey. So here's how Paul instructs Timothy and every preacher in 2 Timothy 4.2 because you're to obey God's Word. God's Word is what should be proclaimed. Preach the Word. How? Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. 
I love that line because a preacher can be impatient. Like with your kids, when you want them to get something and to be convinced that they need to do something or change something. Right, parents? We want it to happen yesterday. A pastor can be that way too. We want people 100% spiritually mature as of yesterday. And yet, your pastor isn't 100% spiritually mature. And so he has to remember, be patient because thank the Lord, he's patient with me, he's patient with you. I need to be patient. Your leaders need to be patient. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, says 2 Timothy 4.2. So your pastor must must preach the Word of God whether preaching the Bible is popular or not. I don't think I've been ever been drawn to this, but I've but I also kind of resist this kind of thinking. This, you know, five practical truths for your marriage today, or or seven truths about how to raise your children, or things like that. A series like that, I don't I don't think is necessarily what's most helpful for us. You need to hear the Word of God proclaimed. You need to hear the Bible. And yes, there will be some practical principles for you to apply and obey from God's Word to your marriage and to how you raise children and to the workplace and to your relationships. But what you need is the Bible proclaimed, the Bible preached, God's Word, God's authoritative Word, the sharp two-edged Word of the sword you need to pierce your souls. So Paul also says in Colossians 1.28, Him, that is Christ, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the goal, that we be mature in Christ. And we can't do that if we're not proclaiming Christ. We can't do that if we're not proclaiming His Word, if we're not in the Bible for ourselves. And so you will hear me plead with you constantly, read the Bible. But you need to expect that those who lead you will also be in the Bible and will be preaching the Bible to you. And so a godly leader preaches and seeks to explain the Bible so that people have a foundational understanding of the truths of life and the way of holiness. We're given an example of this in Nehemiah 8 and verse 8 where it says, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. That's preaching. So a godly leader has a primary task a primary responsibility, and that is to labor in the Word and with the Bible for your maturity. And so it is for your good that you listen to and obey God's Word as it is preached to you. Here's a second mark of a godly leader. A second, secondly, a godly leader is an example of faith in and obedience to God's Word. Faith in and obedience to the Bible. He preaches the Bible. He's also supposed to obey the Bible. That's a must. To guard the church from false teaching, a godly leader is one who sets an example of faith in and obedience to God. 
This too is seen here in verse 7. Look at it where it says, Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now when we say something like that, we need to understand that what the Bible is talking about is following the the godly example of leaders, following the faith of godly leaders, understanding that they too are sinners at heart, that they are imperfect. We need to remember that. That we follow leaders who are also imperfect like we are. We are imperfect people. We are dealing with sin. And God's Word understands that. And God's Word is good to make sure it doesn't cover over those who 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 are shown as leaders in the Bible. They are not shown as perfect individuals, are they? Often they are weak in faith. But but we're told to, to look to those who lead us and look to their growing faith and look to their obedience to God's Word and follow their godly example. So a godly leader will be living a life worthy of following. A godly leader must be one whose life is being changed and ordered by the Word of God. Not a life of perfection, I'm thankful for that. My wife knows I'm not perfect. My kids know I'm not perfect. And you probably know I'm not perfect. And if you don't, now you know. None of your leaders are. None of those who lead you, your pastor, your deacons, we're not perfect. And so, those who lead must be people given to the Bible so that it is changing them, correcting them, growing them. Shaping them. Shaping their thinking. Shaping their decision making. Shaping the very core of their lives. We all need the Word, but especially those who lead need the Word and need to be shaped by it. And so, a godly leader must make his own spiritual health a high priority. And really, this should be... This should always be coming before the preaching of the Word. There is this priority of the preaching of the Word. But often, and there's this temptation to give little attention in the midst of the busyness of ministry to a person's spiritual life, the personal spiritual life of of the leader. And yet we must make sure those who lead must give close attention to their own spiritual lives. That must be a priority even before the priority of preaching. So again, Paul instructs Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, and this is the Bible speaking to every pastor, every leader, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, and get this, Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The Scriptures are not teaching that your leaders save you from your sins, but they spare you. And they save you in the sense that they direct your heart to the Word of God. And note how the spiritual life of a leader is seen in that First Timothy 4 passage as closely connected to the spiritual life of the hearers. The church. So not only is the pastor maintaining his own spiritual health a good thing and an absolutely necessary thing for him, not only is making certain that he is in the Bible a good thing for his own 
good and necessary for him, not only is making sure he is giving himself to prayer faithfully a good thing for him, but these spiritual disciplines in the life of the leader are also good and necessary for your good. That's convicting. I need the Word. I need prayer. Don't miss that little phrase at the end of verse 7 here in Hebrews 13 and imitate their faith. That is a high standard to live up to. God's Word says it is a good thing to long to be one who leads as a pastor, as a teacher, but you have a heavy weight of responsibility placed on you. That is a heavy thing. And this is important. Your leaders, not only your pastor, but also those who lead as deacons in this fellowship should be men who are demonstrating a life of faith in the One who is better than all. It's Him we proclaim. It's Him our lives must proclaim. We should be men who are demonstrating a life of faith in the One, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is better than all. Your pastor and those who lead should be growing in faith. Growing. Being changed and demonstrating lives lived by faith in Christ. Not lives of perfection. I'm not suggesting that. God's Word does not suggest that. But one whose life is being moved and changed by the Word of God. So with all that in mind, and having preached to myself a bit, let me preach to you more pointedly. You need to understand that this instruction to you here in verse 7 is to pay attention to and follow the godly example and the life of and the spiritual life of and the growing faith of your leaders. That's challenging for, for me to think about. And I'm guessing that your deacons sitting here this morning are going, whoa, that's, that's, a, that's a tall order to live up to. Yes, it is. And that's what we're called to. And we are called to this because this will help guard you from false teaching. And we're going to hear more about this before we reach the end of this letter. Note verse 17. You can skim down to verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to Get it? Hear this. Give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And I'm not going to preach a message on verse 17 yet. That's for later. (laughs) But you get the idea here, right? I mean, leadership is a heavy responsibility, but the responsibility goes both ways. When those who lead you take seriously their responsibility, you're to to take serious your responsibility to follow their leadership and follow the truths they proclaim from the Word of God and watch their lives and, and follow their godly example and follow their growing faith. And note verse 22, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. That's always, I trust it's always, it is what I want, I trust it's always what I want, is for you to just hear hear the exhortation of God's Word. 
You don't need to obey me. You need to obey God. You need to hear me proclaim the truth. And you need to say, that's God's Word. I must obey. Bear with my exhortation. And so I challenge and I encourage you with this. That to guard and grow your life in the wisdom of God's Word, to guard your life, to guard your family, and to guard this church from false teaching, remember your leaders. And I would add that part of your remembering should be praying for. It should be an act of remembering. Not only remembering their teaching, not only remembering their way of living in obedience to God's Word, but but also actively considering how you can support them in prayer. I covet your prayers. I need your prayers. Your deacons need your prayers. Pray for us as we lead you. We lead for your spiritual good. It is for your good that you pray for our spiritual growth and that God would help us lead. It is for your good as well as ours. Pray for me that the life I live will be one that is as as you consider it, as you watch it, it encourages you to finish well, to run the race with endurance, to live the life of faith with endurance, to finish the race that is the Christian life as a lover of the Bible and as a follower of Christ, as a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your leaders that their lives are worthy of following. That those things might be encouraged in you and grown in you as you follow their example. And you should also consider the lives of those who have come before me. and Those who have come before your deacons. Those who have come before and served faithfully and have modeled Christ's likeness. Follow their example. Follow their godly example and then imitate the godly faith of your leaders. And pray for growing faith in your pastor and in your deacons and then follow their example of growing faith. Follow their leadership as they lead you with the Word of God. You see, God's desire is that we would all finish well. God's desire is that He would look at every one of us and say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Race of faith, long distance run of faith, well run, well done. So pray for a growing faith in your pastor. Pray for it in your deacons. And then follow their example of growing faith. God wants you to finish well. Your leaders want you to finish well. That's my desire for you, that you finish well, that you not please me, not not, not living to please me, but live to please the Lord and you will please me. I will be pleased if you are living for Christ, if you are seeking to be changed by the Word, if you are becoming a lover and doer of God's Word. May we finish well. May it be true of those who lead and of those who are led that we finish well. That we are a shining light of the Gospel of truth in this community in which we live. That others will see Christ in us because we are protected from false teaching because we are fixed on God's Word, the Bible, the truth. That we are protected from false teaching and that we finish well. That's God's desire for us. Praise God for those who lead you. Pray for those who lead you. And follow their example. 
for your own good and especially for God's glory.